Okay, so this is our last review of the books we've read this year. We aren't talking about the books we've read all year. We share quarter by quarter the books we've read per quarter. And if that doesn't make sense, sorry, maybe I need to read another book. <laughs> Learn to communicate more effectively. But something that we've really found ourselves loving is reading. Elisha and I were both really big readers before the advent of the online world. And then I feel like we fell off the bandwagon for a few years when the internet came out. We, everything we were, we were creating was online. Everything we were consuming was online, aside from like self-development books here and there. And so the last two years, ever since getting rid of our smartphones, we have dove in back into the world of written literature. And it has been an incredibly, incredible blessing to our family, to our kids and to us. So anyways, I'm like talking way too much in this intro. I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys find a book to read. If you're looking for recommendations, we're going to let you guys know what books we liked, uh, what books we wouldn't recommend and why. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to screenshot it, share it on your social media and subscribe if you are on YouTube. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Well, Katie, as usual, your stack of books is larger than mine. So Not much. Yeah, it is a little closer this time. Uh, the reading's been light, it looks like, for both of us this quarter. It really has, other... which is kind of surprising because the books we've read in this quarter, I think, have been really good. Mm-hmm. Like, like we've talked a ton about what we've been reading, I should say. To each other. Yes, yes, to each other. So I thought we were going to have a lot of books, but then we haven't. We've just had a few books that have spawned a lot of conversation. Maybe there's something to that. We need to really start going for quality over quantity. So yeah, well, the nice thing is I don't feel like either of us are like, we don't have like this list of books we're trying to race through. We just no. both read at a pace that we want to read. Mm. And so sometimes we're reading a lot more and sometimes we aren't. Yes. And that's just kind of how it is. I think, honestly, we've worked in the evenings and mornings so much mm -hmm. this last quarter. We haven't been reading as much. At least I, think, I can say yes. that for myself. We worked more and then I think we traveled more. Yes, that We did too. a lot of trips this October, November, and already in December. We've yeah. done a handful of trips. So That's true. I think that's cut down on the reading time. But fire away. You've got the bigger stack, so you should go first. Okay, well, honestly, the top four books that I have here are all books that I've read with the children oh, okay. that nice. I've completed this year. But I feel like it accounts for all the fiction that I've read mm -hmm. this quarter, so I wanted to include it because Good. I didn't really feel the need to be reading fiction. And you and I were talking about this, Elisha, and I was telling you what I was reading with the kids, and you were like, we're definitely reading fiction. It's just, it wasn't like I had my own personal book. I was just reading out loud a lot. Yeah. I mean, and, and as you'll, as our listeners will hear, it's not like these are, what do you call What's that twaddle? It's not like twaddle. you've got a bunch of twaddle fiction books here. No twaddle in the house aside from uh, Pirates of the Sea. Is that yeah. what it is? And I don't even like to admit that that's twaddle because it's so good. It is so good. Okay, it's funny. You guys, we have this picture book. I will link it down below because it's just the kid's favorite picture book. And I say the kids because it was Louis's favorite picture book when he was two years old. We got it from the library. He was crying when we went to return it. So I bought a library copy from Amazon. And he just read that and read that and read that. And then he outgrew it. And now Lawrence is two and a half, almost three. And he will read that 
every single day. Yeah, he brings it to bed with him. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He just does not like parting from that thing. Yeah. And it's kind of funny though, because as we've gotten further and further and further away from screens and, you know, even twaddle and literature and stuff like that, it's hilarious because now that I'm looking at these pictures, they are the brightest, most colorful, most animated things that the kids ever see. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, no wonder the two-year-old's just stoked out of his <laughs> mind. Like this is the most larger than life media that he has witnessed. That's funny. Anyways. Okay. So Two books that I read to the children this quarter. We finished Prince Caspian, September. So I guess that's kind of outside of the quarter a little bit. September, October, November. But since our last book video, we finished Prince Caspian. And in November, we finished The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. So I am reading Narnia the way that I was encouraged to read Narnia by my Uncle Wade. And... He actually gave me this Narnia set. So I think of him every time I read it to the kids. And so we read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe first. And then we read Prince Caspian. And then we read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Okay, nice. So we're reading them in the in the order that C.S. Lewis wrote them, not okay. in the order they are currently numbered. And I really like the journey that that takes the reader on. That's great. So you'd recommend that as well then? I would. I think that the way that... Um, a gal that I I would actually love to have Autumn on the podcast, but uh, I watch her, I listen to her podcast and watch her YouTube videos. And she says, you have to enter Narnia through the wardrobe with Lucy. And I just, I think that's true. Nice. You got to see Narnia for the first time through Lucy's eyes. It's the best. That's great. Okay. I'm going to jump into one of the nonfictions that I read. You read this one too. So feel free to, you know, chip into the description into the takeaways future men put it up in the camera future men raising boys to fight giants by douglas wilson this is exactly what it sounds like it's a fathering book particularly or it's really a parenting book if you've got young for four young boys for sons and i have loved it katie you've thoroughly enjoyed it the vision that he gives you for what you can do with sons is really inspirational. And, and I do think that is a huge part in parenting is having a vision. I mean, he talks about that at the beginning that like we live by faith. We, we are parenting our sons, not with who we think they can be, but with who we think God has called them to be. And we're in our, and our faith is not in our sons. Our faith is in God. And as people of faith, putting our faith in Christ, believing God, trusting him, we want to do all things in faith right? And, and he, he paints such an awesome picture of what that looks like practically. And that really resonated with me, even just that concept of, it's so easy to say, oh, I've got so much trust in my son, or I've got faith in you, son. Uh, but to really be like, no, I've got faith in God. And he's said these things about his children and about men. And so I'm going to train you accordingly. Yeah, this is one of those books. So it, we were at Thanksgiving and Elisha found this on my grandparents' bookshelf and picked it up to read it in a spare moment. And of course, I'm always nosing about to see what he's reading. <laughs> so I picked it up when he set it down. And you promptly ordered three copies mm -hmm. sent here to be able to give out before you'd even finished reading the book. And then I was bummed out because I love marking up books and, you know, drawing in them and bending the pages all over the place and stuff. And I couldn't do that because these books were already spoken for. Mm -hmm. And so I ordered two more copies. So we have a lot of these floating around our house and uh, we haven't given, given away some of them yet, but it it's just that good. Yeah, It is that good. 
I just think it's a phenomenal perspective. So just from a woman's perspective, I think the more that we can hear from a masculine perspective, what our boys are going to go through and what our boys are going to going through when it comes to respect, when it comes to their views on purity, when it comes to, uh, the tendencies that the masculine can have either good or negatively, and just kind of what does motivate them? What is going to be a detriment to that relationship? It just provides so much insight. And I really want to have good relationships with my boys. I want them to respect me. I want them to know that I respect them, but I also want to be an authority figure in their life. Um, I I guess I don't want to have the relationship with our boys that is the like mama's boy relationship, but I also don't want to be a frustration, especially Mm. as my boys are going through their teen years and just feel like my mom's so annoying. She's bossing me around. She's just getting on my nerve. So this just had so, so, so much good insight. And it was fun to be able to bring some of these things up to Elisha and just the way it speaks to the different parts of manhood and how a well-rounded man is all of those parts, you know, mm. well, they're, um, I can't remember all of them, but I remember the sage. Yeah. And then do you remember the other ones? Let's see. So save your, I mean, mm-hmm. you're supposed to model after our savior, a uh, husband man, right? Uh-huh. Um, the sage, the, is it a warrior or there's something like, like that. Like a fighter, yeah. a warrior, and then there's a fifth one. Um, but I really love how... I, I could find it real quick. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I feel like sometimes when it comes to boys, we pit one against the other. And we say like, oh, this son is the sage. You know, he's... Or this guy's... Was one of them like the academic or something? Maybe the poet? Or, yeah. I think it was a po- poet. Was it? <laughs> I don't know. And then... Or this guy is, you know, he's our hands-on man's man type guy. And this well-rounded man is all of these things. Yeah. And needs to be able to learn from all of these types of men too and not scoff at one because they uh, align more or relate more with another type. I just thought it was really good insight. Yeah, so lords. Okay. Maybe lords, you know, taking dominion of your space of whatever it is that you're doing husbandmen save yours the sage and glory bearers nice and obviously i feel like um i didn't realize how controversial doug wilson was when i first started consuming and being blessed by his literature But he is, and I would just encourage you, regardless of what your theology is, regardless of what you think of this guy from a, you know, personality standpoint or whatever, to, there's just really, really good stuff in this book. And I would encourage you to read him, regardless of what your personal opinion is. Yeah, in fact, I'd say reading him is probably the best way to be introduced to him. Not only is he a great writer, I think a lot lot of his more provocative... um, a lot of that stigma that he might have, I think, comes from more of his online personality. Um, yeah. And, and as we've all said before, Katie and I have an affinity towards people that rub people wrong. And so it's like, that's <laughs> a sure do. way to know that we probably enjoy their content. As if and they... I don't agree with all the stuff in there. Like, sure. like I don't. I think if, um, yeah, there's just different ways that he chooses to go about uh, masculinity or expressing that masculinity that I wouldn't be stoked if my sons did. Mm. Um, Elisha doesn't, he's not this, you know. 
cigar smoking, whiskey drinking, <laughs> yeah, exactly. boat burning man. <laughs> exactly. That's not how I would describe my husband. Um, and I very much like him. So obviously, but I don't think you have to buy into that to get a lot out of this book is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get a discount when you sign up for what? The Growth Initiative and the Get It All Done Club. The Get It All Done Club is a home management program. Link down below, you could see a free masterclass about everything I teach on creating a peacefully productive home. And the Growth Initiative is about becoming the man that you feel God has called you to be, but you don't have the systems and the support to become it. So if you're looking to grow together this year as a couple, even if it's in two different veins, we encourage you to check out the link below. You'll find a discount discount to the couples package. And if you want to learn more about either of these programs, you can watch a free free webinar, a free one, a free webinar for either one of the courses. You want to go next? I kind did of, I, I thought I just, yeah, you, that you did was kind of yours, hijack. But my, uh, <laughs> well, hijack I think it. you're going to have a lot, you know, I'm going to go to my fiction because you're going to have a lot to say about these other <laughs> non-fictions as well. Uh, so in my book club that I'm a part of, uh, we read The Last of the Mohicans. And this one, again, I don't think I'd ever read this. I thought I had, I think my mom read it to us out loud when I was younger, Uh, but I can see why I didn't really remember it because it's actually, it's pretty dense and you know, obviously it's highly esteemed James Fenimore Cooper. It's considered a classic and for good reason. Uh, And we've read a handful of classics in book club. And then you and I just even on our own have read some classics that mm-hmm. are not that easiest to read and this one was exceptionally hard for me to read like this was probably the most challenging um like getting through his sentences and the way that he was describing things it was the most challenging for me in this book than any of the other books because some of the other classics we've read they're they're very descriptive and they're flowery and they're like, the way they express different things and the way they describe different things um but for whatever reason this one bogged me down more than any other of you know the classics that i've read uh again the story's fun it's extremely adventurous this is one that i want my sons to read i think because it does highlight a ton of great virtue very good virtues um and not not always from a christian perspective but i think you're able, when you've got a christian worldview and i'm able to walk with my boys through this at a certain age there'll be a lot to take from it great father-son uh relationship here that i really like um and then also on you know people talk about honor but it is funny in the way that they present it here. It's almost like you, you you start to see how the materialistic, you know, Westerners come in and then, you know, the the different, you know, natives that they were working with, like what they had was honor. And when you in the way that they portray it, you're like, wow, that is kind of crazy. Like materialism in light of these different virtues does look so cheap and so and so worthless. Um, obviously, all of that is worthless, all those things. I mean, honor not subject to a perfect objective truth in God's word is silly in and of itself, which that's the case in, in, in much of this. But yeah, love this book. Have you oh, read it? Oh, no, that sounds so good. So I know The Last of the Mohicans because as a kid, I told you this, I read the Great Illustrated Classic version. Nice. It was my favorite Great Illustrated Classic, which is essentially just a, like a kid's graphic novel. And I read it maybe five or six times. So, wow. So you know the story. Yes. On some yes. Level. Absolutely. Oh. And I'd cry over that book. Yeah. But this, I never this, owned a unabridged copy. So it's definitely on my list to read now. I didn't know. Again, this is a well-known story, but I didn't know how the story ended. I know. And, don't don't say. And I got emotional at the end of yeah. this because I didn't see it coming and it, and it really got to me. 
because um, yeah. I was obviously heavily invested. That's the power of a book is you go so much slower, but you're that much more invested in the story. So it can really affect you all the more. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I do want to say that this, I was, the I was just thinking about this though. Um, prior to, uh, I was just thinking about this before we started. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of, I'm going to, I'm proud of what we've read, you and I, fiction wise, but in book club also, because in one year's time, we read the Dostoyevsky Brothers Karamazov, the um, Kurt Vonnegut Slaughterhouse Five. And then we did the Don Quixote, you know, Cervantes. We did Musashi, which was another really long, you know, Japanese novel. Yeah, that novel. one was like Bible paper. Yeah, that one was crazy, almost so a thousand heavy. pages long. Probably gonna, I'm probably going to miss one here. We did Lord of the Flies. We did, um, we did, uh, Blood Meridian. Mm-hmm. We did this one and we did, um, the Catcher in the Rye. I was going to let you skip that one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not a fan of that book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think it was my favorite either, but that was a lot of fiction. The reason I'm saying this is because I, I'm really excited to introduce more and more nonfiction into my life. Cause some of these nonfictions that I've been going through, I think the fictions helped my comprehension big time. Yeah, because it's and, such thick stuff. Yeah, it is. It's like it's hard for me to get through a lot of these books. Um, it's work, but then I go to these nonfictions and I'm able to just like grab stuff right away, and it's it's really awesome. That's great, Elisha. That is so cool. I'm gonna actually skip to a nonfiction. Good. Okay. Okay. So I were you given this book by my dad? Value Creation Kid. Well, I got it. I they just it was a handout at Coach. It was a handout at Coach. Yeah. Um, so value creation kid, love the concept of this book. I've got a lot of bent pages and underlined things here. Like children will always be more motivated when they have some ownership. Like, okay, that's good. That is right. They're truths that maybe, you know, deep down you've heard, but it puts words to it and clarifies things. So I really loved the focus here of the value creation kid. We really want our children to be adding value in, the workforce being adding value in their communities and just think of how can I add value when they come up against a problem. And I think that Scott Donald did a great job of explaining different ways that kids can add add value and what to expect of children at different ages. And um, there were a lot of great takeaways. Something that I thought was cool was he had this part on your last name and he said, define what it means to be a member of your family. And within that, he wrote down all the things that the Donalds are. And he wrote down, um, historical figures that were Donalds and goes all back through history, kind of like a family tree and pulls out all these admirable characters and be like, Hey, we come from this lineage. And I think that that'd be a really cool thing to do with the votebergs because mm. obviously every last name you can go back i mean maybe it's not your immediate family but you could go back and find someone noteworthy and um I th- it reminds me of that country song my last name which always makes me cry mm. by dirks bentley so good anyways so all that said there were great things in this book a large part of this book is explaining the gravy stack app, which is an app for kids, which is an online baking app. So essentially they get their own debit cards and they are able to use this banking app and home gigs and brain gigs and get paid for these different things around the house and use this app to organize their funds. And it was a really intriguing concept. Elisha and I have been talking a lot recently about what we're going to do with 
allowance and chores and extra jobs and just money with our children in general as they are asking for things as they want to buy things and we've we've come across what we're currently doing <laughs> we could share that in another episode we've kind of worked through what we're currently doing and I think it's working great but this book spawned a lot of those conversations and I signed up for the gravy stack app and backpedaled so fast mm. out of that app because I do think here's the problem with the app the app was created to appeal to your average kid and I do not want my children to be consuming what the average child is consuming and so it's set up to be gamified and I just run the other way when anything is gamified. I know it's fun for the kids, but like I said a lot of times on here, it matters to me just as much, probably almost more, not just what the kids are learning, but how they're learning it. It's really affecting their brain. It's affecting their addictive cycles. It's affecting the dopamine rushes and the dopamine hits that they're getting that they could really rely on for the rest of their life. And so because this was gamified and turned into these little money video games, it just isn't something that we're going to be using in our home. And it's not something that I can recommend, uh, especially because of oh, one of your books. It's well, your lead in. You know what? You should have had this one. T- this is, yeah, to tell you the truth, you guys, Katie kind of like throws me some bones when we do this. And that I've probably only officially read like three of these books, but actually four of them. And then this one, I'm halfway through, and Katie's like, well, you don't have very many books you can talk about about this oh, one. I don't say it like <laughs> no, that. No, but you do You do let me uh, take some credit for ones that you probably deserve more credit for. That's all I'm saying. I'm not doing this for credit. <laughs> I, uh, I really want you guys to know about the books that we're reading, because I am always down for a good book recommendation. And Yeah, so yeah. Glow Kids is is one that it is, it is bizarre. You know, this Dr. Nicholas, do you know how to say his last name? Carderas? Carderas? Yeah. Probably. Uh, I'm so actually he, really excited. We just, he just agreed to be on the podcast. I know. I'm so really excited. So we're going to hear directly from him. Yes. And I would encourage you guys to go out and buy this book, even though we're going to do an interview with him, because if you have questions about the book or you have like, yeah, if you have thoughts like, well, or, or criticisms, I guess, we'd love to hear those. We could ask him. What do you think? Yeah. This has been really fun because I don't know. You know we've been screen free with our children for a while, but I hadn't put a ton of time in or a ton of thought into my consumption of of content via a screen. Clearly, Katie and I got rid of our smartphones, and so we 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 were aware of our screen use. But I think that in a lot of ways, I I kind of mentally checked a box when I got rid of my smartphone, and I was like, screens aren't going to be an issue for me because I don't have a smartphone. And then it wasn't until about a month and a half ago. I started just kind of being more aware of my overall health that was mentally, emotionally, physically. And I started trying to pay attention to the hours, 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 hours I was spending on a screen, not just what I was consuming, but the actual screen. Cause I think for a while I would categorize, okay, um, you know, video games is one thing on a screen, but that, you know, that's, that's, it's damaging in this way, but then there's sports that I can consume on a screen. And then there's work productive things you can do on a screen, right? You can learn on a screen. You can, you can whatever, you know, you can read, you can do all these things. Um, and I do think each one of those deserve their own category for what it's doing to your brain. And he talks about that, but there is something that's going on just anytime you're in front of a screen that I think we need to be aware of. And it really, um, this kind of been validating because it, it did just that it validated 
some uh, premises that I was starting to comprise in my brain that were, were pure, purely anecdotal. They were just like my instinct and from personal experience. Uh, and then he's put up, you know, he's got the data to back it. And it is sobering. To- it is so sobering, you guys. He references these digital addictions. He works with people with extreme forms of addiction. Yes. Um, cocaine, heroin, pedophilia, like so many different things. I don't actually know if I should even say that word on YouTube. Get busted, <laughs> get demonetized. But like these are really serious addictions. And he's showing how screens are digital heroin for the brain. And when you see these digital images of the brain, the same parts of the brain that are dead or from excessive dopamine hits from digital media are the same parts of the brain that are affected with these hardcore drugs or other forms of um, confusion and mis, mis, like a misfunctioning brain. How would mm. you say that? Misfiring, I don't know. Yeah, like misfiring the brain, like a, yeah. A, a, I'm a, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it's just. I thought I had something and then. Let me tell you, like, you guys, if you, like, Video games, phones. We had someone mention down below on a few of our videos because we mentioned video games as like this big sinister thing. And that's just kind of, again, it was all anecdotal kind of. I just didn't like them and you didn't play them. And so it was an easy thing to, you know, throw a dart at. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too close to home. So it's easy to just light it up with a torch. But you guys, if you're wondering why you don't want your sons to play video games or if you're struggling with your husband playing video games, I would just, and he doesn't see why they're negative. I would just encourage you guys to like read this book as a family. Mm -hmm. I want all my teenage siblings to read this. I want my kids to all read this book because as they are going into life and are going to make their own decisions about screens, they need to know what it's doing to their brain. Yeah. That's exactly right. It is a very, very risky thing. And it's not just the games. Obviously, it's social media. He talks about how uh, games are to boys what social media and texting are to girls. And that is something I would say, too, especially in a lot of marriages where the wife is frustrated with her husband's consumption of either sports or gaming. Um, I would just encourage you to track the amount of time that you're spending on social media and texting during the day and messaging and Marco Poloing and all of the things because it's a lot more easily hidden, that form of addiction, because it's just kind of sprinkled in throughout the day. But as women, that can stack up to being hours and hours and hours that's also affecting our brain and our mood. And um, so anyways, I just think it's really really fascinating, very convicting. And I found that even when I am, you know, I put in air quotes watching YouTube videos now, I turned down the screen. So I'm just hearing the audio because reading this book, I want my brain to be sharp and healthy and clear. And it's just, they're very dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's really made me count the costs when I'm going to a screen. Yes. I, I ask myself, is this like, is the material I'm getting from this worth it? And I, everybody always wants to think of like an analogy or a comparison, you know, you're like, oh, is it like, is it like alcohol or drugs or, you know, it's a tool. So is it a dangerous tool or do you need to learn how to use the tool properly? And he does a good job of drawing some 
some conclusions. The way I view it now is, and this is, I came up with this all on my own. He didn't do this in the book, but. Really? Yeah, it's not that profound. I'm just kind of being dumb here. <laughs> but it's like, okay, you know that the air quality is not very good in a lot of cities, you know, like in LA or, you know, I mean, probably that's one of the worst in the US. Uh, but there are great things to do if you have to work in LA. You're like, oh, this is, a, this is a valuable job, or I'm going to a family reunion, or I'm going to a seminar, or I'm going to, you know, partake in a church service. And you're like, it's worth going to the, the air quality that actually, you know, studies show is not great for my health, but the thing is worth it. But I don't want to just go sit in the air quality without a good, without a purpose, like without getting something from it. So that's how I kind of view screens now. I don't know if that's good okay, or not. Okay, yeah. Where it's like, like this isn't quality. optimal for my health, but the thing I'm going for is, is it's worth it. Like I'm going to get this from it, this information, or I'm going yeah. to... And so, I don't know. I like it. Do you like that? Yeah, as California expats, (laughs) for me, we think when we venture down into California, we're venturing. You don't mean like all the air quality in California, like going to the beach? I meant Los Angeles. Yes, yes. It's really bad. I think that's great. That's awesome with the smog. Uh, Another analogy he mentions in here that was pretty cool for both of us when it comes to screens is, you know, everyone's always worried for whatever reason that their kids are going to fall behind with technology. And it's just not a valid concern. And he speaks to that in this, but he talks about how, you know, a car is this very high powered vehicle and we don't give a six year old keys to a car because they're going to have to learn to drive at some point in their life. We wait until they're 16 or 17 years old and then we give them the keys and then we start teaching them how to use it because it's this very high powered tool. And so really, we don't need to introduce these high-powered tools that computers are until later in life when you have some more maturity to handle it. Yes. Yeah. Same. I mean, yeah. You can use the same analogy with alcohol or a bunch of things. It's like, well, there's an age, you know. Yeah. That people... But I think I liked what I liked specifically with the car was you don't need alcohol to be able to live a life. Mm-hmm. Our kids oh, are going to be able to need a drive at some point in so our society. So arguing for like the utility. Yeah, of it. exactly. Arguing yeah. for the utility because Got clearly it. we do use screens. We're, we're surrounded right now by computers and screens and technology. All getting this podcast out there. Yes. So anyways. Okay. That was good. I mean, I feel like we need to do a whole episode on that. Oh, one. yeah. That's why this, we're gonna... is, this is phenomenal. You guys, he came out with the second book. I'm going to read that. We're going to interview him and then we're going to talk some more about it. You aren't going to be able to get away from us. Okay, this, The Miracle Morning, you've heard Katie and I mention this numerous times because this is one of those life-altering books for us. We read this on our honeymoon, uh, which that's pretty fun, huh? So romantic. Yeah, so romantic. Reading The Miracle Morning on the um, on the honeymoon, which, I mean, in all honesty, it makes sense because we did have some miraculous mornings during that. Okay. We came home, though, and started getting up at five in the morning. We did. The this first thing changed our lives. Yes, it, it did. It really did. You guys have heard us talk about it so much. What? Nothing. <laughs> um, this, this is a new The one. reason I'm talking about this is because this is a new addition. And uh, I mean, if you've been a part of the growth initiative, you know I like hammer home the the, the power of my miracle morning. But on as equally valuable as my morning is the evening prior to that might be more important to me at this point in my life. And he really kind of goes into this new addition, the power of evening routines and how to structure them so that you're setting yourself, setting yourself up for a miracle morning. And this is, it's cool. Cause I think it's actually, let's see on sale, December 12th. What is the date today? 
I think it is the twelfth today this that we're is, recording. Yeah, it is. This is an advanced review copy. Well, How yeah, cool is yeah, that? I know it's pretty cool. We talked about it so much. He was like, "Oh, Hal sent us a review copy." Thank you, Hal. An early review. Yeah, so we're thankful to him. We're thankful to the American Morning Team, and we wanted to let you guys know because. We talk a lot about it. So now if you're going to go buy the Miracle Morning, don't buy the old version. Yes. Buy the new bright yellow copy so that you get those evening routines as well. Exactly. As and it's routines. actually on pre-sale right now. And he also has a lot of new like testimonials. And I love reading the stories in there, hearing how it works for other people. Case studies is, is what you would call them. In nice. Work. Yes. Anyways, the Miracle Morning updated and expanded edition. There you go. Uh, the Railway Children. I read this with the children. This has this is by Nesbitt. And anything by Nesbitt is excellent for children. I love the little quote on the back. Don't ask me no questions and I won't tell you no lies. I'm wondering if he's the originator of that statement or if that's been around far longer than him. Uh, but there is a movie, The Railway Children, I watched as a little girl. And so I didn't realize that until I was reading through this book. And I was like, I've never read through this book, but I'm remembering parts of it. And so one day we'll show our children the video of it. But it's just a really sweet book about a group of children who go on adventures when their family hits. Like they used to be really rich and then they became very poor. Their father got taken away from the family and they all have to kind of band together. So really, really sweet. The children loved it. It's got beautiful language in it and is is a really enjoyable read and i love these little copies these wordsworth editions i have um what do i have oh the wind in the willows is the other wordsworth edition and they just have really cute covers too so Mm. it's good all right the last one i have here is on the banks of plum creek we just recently finished this one and so as a result started by the shores of silver lake and this you know what I actually can't recall all the, the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, you know, but so far each one is such a good standalone story and that it's, I mean, you know, she's a great writer, obviously, but it's got like its own arc the entire time where yeah. you have the low, ever so far, everyone has had those low points where you're like, man, I don't think they're going to make it out of this one. And then they do. And so there's this, these sweet moments of bliss as a family to kind of wrap it all up. Uh, and so we've said it, we've talked about the Laura Ingalls Wilder books numerous times and we love them. I I love them more and more. And when I'm looking back here on the at the order, so we've read Little House in the in the Big Woods, Farm Boy, Little House on the Prairie, and then on the banks of Plum Creek. And now we're reading. We listened to the Long Winter already because we got that one from the library. Okay, so we're gonna skip that and go. Yeah, because it is a very long winter. I'm not going back and reading through that. Okay, so after by the shores of Silver Lake, which again starts out pretty down. That is yeah. a downer. Like I cried on the first chapter of that yeah, one. We you both did. did. So we had just come off the high of on the banks of Plum Creek. Yeah. And then it skips ahead like a year or something. And they're just in a bad spot. Anyways. Um, if you're going to start out the series, I actually recommend doing what we did and what quite a few families do in reading Farmer Boy first. Because mm. that's just a total standalone yes. about Almanzo. And then it doesn't feel as much like a sidetrack. Yeah, probably. exactly. And yeah. it's just... The best one, frankly. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else nope, you want to say about that one? Uh, we finished David Livingston, November 14th. I I like to tell you guys, but I like to put the dates in here where we read. And it's just really fun to reference back to when we read through books as a family or when I read through things by myself before reading through them again. 
And so, yeah, David Livingston, great book, super inspirational guy. Uh, as far as an explorer and an adventurer, he had a very bizarre family life and that he would leave his wife to keep her safe, having no contact with her for years, and then look up and be like, it's been four years. I told my wife I'd be back. That's so weird, isn't it? Oh, bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Super bizarre. Fathered a ton of kids, never saw him. With the, with his wife, with the same lady. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he wasn't just going around Africa having babies that we know of. Yeah. Um, it was all with his wife, and she was really gung-ho. She wanted to go with him. Yes. And so, anyways, it's just kind of unfortunate it is interesting reading because as we've talked about numerous times you know david livingston nate saint um the the, the, elliot what's his name Uh, jim elliot jim elliot uh these are inspirational stories and they're stories of you know awesome you know inspirational missionaries so we love reading them to our children but it is interesting reading them as an adult like what kind of some of the takeaways are and what do we want our children to take from this uh, and like you said, even with this one, I remember thinking the same thing. If I don't, we haven't read Brother Andrew yet with our kids, but I remember reading that. I know. I'm curious to read back through that again, too. Because I loved that as a kid, God Smuggler. Uh-huh. Um, and I want to read it again. But if I remember correctly in that one, too, his marriage seems a little wonky. Maybe I'm off on that. But it's going to be interesting as we continue reading these. Like, what are the ta- what are our kids taking from these? Because we want to highlight how awesome it is that people are willing to go to great lengths to share the gospel and that should that should be praised but i don't want them to think that there is like this um like oh they are the tip of the spear elite christians because they do that it's like wherever you're called to you're all you're going to be the elite christian okay you like that's what you're going to do you're going to be faithful if you're a postmaster you're going to be faithful if you're an overseas missionary and also really you're a missionary wherever you're going to live and I want them to take that from from these stories. And discipling your family comes before discipling anyone else. Yes. Taking yes. care of who the Lord's placed yes. directly in your circle. And so, yeah, I think I think we're actually clear when we read these stories, we bring that up. Mm-hmm. And actually, the kids bring it up. Yes. They go, what on earth? Yes, like, that's not a good <laughs> thing I to do. But I do love the true stories mixed with the fiction and the fantasy that we are reading because... I think one thing that's really prevalent in all these books is just death mm-hmm. and hardship. And you see that in a very real way. Like it's not always happily ever after. Yes. And magic doesn't always get you out of really yes. bump situations. Exactly. And so we cry every time we read one of these new missionary stories because so many people die. It's the course of one whole person's life. You know, they follow someone from when they're a child to when they eventually mm-hmm. die. And so along that time you have children dying, parents dying, spouses dying, friends dying, characters that you would attach to. And it's just in our present day culture right now, we don't, we aren't surrounded by death like yeah. other cultures have been or other cultures perhaps are at this time of, of life. We just don't live in those cultures. And so I, I, death is going to happen at some time. And I don't want my children's faith to be shattered by that. I want them to say, Hey, this is all a part of God's plan too. Yes. And I think it was comforting for them. Even when grandma Grams passed away this year, that was really hard for them. But I think having the experience with death in these true stories helped them through that. Yeah, that makes, I, I, I believe that. And then also just seeing what comes of it, you know, David Livingston, not, or not David Livingston, but uh, Jim Elliott being a great example of, 
like how much more powerful his story is because he was killed yeah, by, yeah. by by the Indians, you know, down there. And then his wife going back and then now his daughter continuing on, you know, their, their mission. Yeah, to like, this day, like we yeah. have, like currently my aunt and uncle and cousin and his wife are down in the exact same village in Shell down there. Uh, as yeah, like the work's continuing on. Yeah. And because his these guys dying publicize that everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of cool. It's just powerful to see how the Lord uses that. Okay, that would be a good one to end on. So I'm just going to briefly mention these. Um, at home with Madame Chic, I mentioned my grandmother, Grandma Grams, and she has all these Jennifer L. Scott books in her home. And I really wanted to become more chic in my home. And so I got these books for just a fresh breath of inspiration in our home. And they really have, you know, something that we're doing right now is we have a cloth tablecloth and we have cloth napkins and table settings. And that's something that we're doing every single meal right now, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I don't, there's a system for it. I'm not washing everything, every single meal. And it's actually taught our children to be a lot more mannerly which has been a side point. But anyways, I got that from Madame Chic. And it's really just elevating your day-to-day lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, and I've I've loved that big time. I'm a huge recipient of that. There's something about like just the table settings and it brings up the class. Everybody has a propensity to sit up a little straighter when mm-hmm. they're at the dinner table. It softens everything a little bit. Everything's not as loud and, and clangy against the table. It's just a huge enhancement of your everyday life. Yeah, for whatever reason, I feel especially in the cozy winter. Mm-hmm. It just, like you said, it softens everything. And... Yeah, and the kiddos are a lot more careful to keep things on their plates. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, we've got to end with a Charlotte Mason volume. (laughs) So school education is what I have been reading for Charlotte Mason. And aside from scripture, I cannot recommend any book more if you are a mother than the Charlotte Mason Mm -hmm. series. Because I read this and she just elevates my view of children, the incredible responsibility and authority that a parent has and how we just need to treat that so carefully and not willy-nilly and yeah just incredible insight into the child's mind and development and in how we can shape and mold that development sometimes you can feel as a parent that you're trying to cram a round peg into a square hole and or vice versa square peg into a round hole and you're just like I need this to go in there and so you're just like forcing it instead of like oh well you this is how you can just softly kind of round the edges and it goes right in. Mm-hmm. So she really keeps you from beating your head against a rock. And I just, I like to read a little bit of her daily mm. and I don't ever see me stopping. You know, I, I think awesome. I'll just go back. It's one of those things you just kind of fall away from if you mm. aren't immersing in this thought process because nowhere in our culture is this t- stuff taught. Mm. Yeah, it's probably similar to the Madame Chic book yeah you yeah. Just, like you want you want to come back to it and be reminded yeah. of the beauty in everyday living you know yeah that that elevation of of life and mind and yeah it's, it's pulling you higher awesome katie you did it folks thank you all so much for listening we love book recommendations so if you have some leave them in the comments below if you're watching this on youtube and then uh we'll talk to you next time bye-bye bye bye